Welcome to Economics Happy Hour. My name's Matt. And I'm Jadrian. I'm thrilled to have you with us. We are again back in the studio, back in our, our places after we had a few episodes out and about. Um, this is actually the second episode we've recorded mm-hmm. back where uh, not in a brewery or at Jet Set, <laughs> but we're preempting the first one to have a special episode tonight and more on that in a moment. But first, uh, Jadrian, what are you drinking tonight? I know it's a special well, drink. It is. A, Matt and I have a very special drink today. Even though we are not at Jet Set and we're not at a brewery, we are still celebrating Jet Set a little bit. Uh, we met a very cool guy, Tim Dye, uh, who is a longtime listener of the show, even though he refused to be on the show. We asked to record him. He said no, but he did give us beers. So yep. we have our first listener, uh, listener submitted, I guess, listener yep. sent in beers. Uh, Matt and I are both drinking the Upriver American Pale Ale by Central 28 Beer Company, thanks to Tim Dye, uh, who is a high school teacher out in Indianapolis. Uh, but Tim, thank you for thank listening. You. One, absolutely. We were happy with that. Uh, but then also thank you for giving us beer. This is amazing. So uh, you will be hearing about Tim's beers for the next few episodes because uh, Matt and I have multiple beers to drink thanks to Tim. So if you want to send us beers, we'll happily take them. Yeah, Matt yeah. and I, I've never seen Matt turn down a beer. The, yeah, yeah. We, 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 are a fan <laughs> of, uh, we are a fan of beer. Uh, as well, everybody who listens to the episodes knows, given we start with a beer. But no, it was really awesome. It was great. Uh, Jet Set was it was so much fun to connect with people. So cheers. 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 And uh, well, uh, digital cheers to Tim. Thank you for uh, thank you again. We're going to thank you for this for at oh, least the man. next two episodes. This one's really good. I we I think I wondered what am I going to do if I really don't like it? So uh, <laughs> but that's. I think that's delicious. Of course, I like pale ales. You're not quite as big of a pale ale fan, so you might be the bigger test. So I don't mind. The pale ales I don't like are IPAs, which I don't like an Indian pale ale. An APA is fine. Um, I'll I'll do a hazy IPA, but, you know, I would say those West Coast, um, what are they called? There's, I don't know all the hops varieties, but whatever those West Coast grass tasting IPAs, I don't like those. Uh, This is actually really good. This is very good. Um, curious what, what rating you're going to give it. Mm, it's not going to be a four. Uh, I'm very picky, but it's definitely above a three and a half. I'm going, I'm going 4.25. I think this is a little bit on the tastier side, especially for a pale ale, non IPA. I'm going to put it around a three, eight, but we'll see how I feel. In oh, a yeah. Drink. oh yeah. You get to differentiate <laughs> finer than I do. I get the quarter point differentiations and you get, uh, yeah. you get the, every, all of cool. that. So. So perhaps we should explain that to our listeners. Uh, Matt, so Untapped is a free app. So you should definitely download Untapped. Untapped has given us nothing for this, but it is a great app. Um, the default is you get quarter raking, so 2.25, 3.75. Uh, but if you are a fool like I am, you can become a VIP member, VIP subscriber. I love Untapped so much uh, that I pay for Untapped even though it's a free app. Hey. Um, the, I'm a supporter, right? Like I, that's you're a supporter, like, and you get to supporter. more finely differentiate your ratings. So I get to differentiate by tenths, so yeah. I get to leave 3.8 as my review. I also get some cool data. They send me like special offers. Like there's some other stuff, but honestly, Untapped. If you're listening, I'm not using those offers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really just love what you do. So take my money. I'm happy I to will, give it to you. It's a good good opportunity to segue, and we might 
put this into future episodes as well. <laughs> but Economics Happy Hour is looking for sponsors. So if you would like to reach a number of people, a wide audience of economics nerds, and we mean this in the most loving way because you know, <laughs> we feel this way about ourselves. If you'd like to reach that audience, please e please email us at econhappyhour at gmail.com or just reach out to either me or Jadrian. And we'd love to sponsor your product in our show. Yep. Yep. And so we've got, we Matt and I have some very cool things in the pipeline, new swag, new opportunities. Um, get in while the getting's good, I think, as they say. That, um, I, well, I agree. While Matt and I don't have any other competitors, this is your chance uh, to get in as be the first sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the, uh, no, that's, so that's, um, that's good. So you're at the midterm point in, uh, of the semester or past midterms or? I am. It's week eight for us. Uh, so both of my classes have an exam on Thursday. One has an exam Thursday night. One has an exam Friday morning. Okay. Um, and they're both doing very well. Uh, I don't know if I've shared this with you. I think I've, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast or not. Um, Virginia Tech is trying something new. I am teaching a majors only principles of microeconomics course. You did. Um, yeah. You mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they are. So I, I love both. Of, it's, this can be like a parent answer. I love both my classes very much. Um, but those majors only students, there's something special. Because uh, like, there's like this bond of like, they know they're all econ majors. They know that I like, they're going to see me again. So um, they are much more invested. Like I'm getting, you know, I have 53, I think, enrolled in the class. I have 49 students show up for an 8 a.m. Principles of Microeconomics course. Like they're there. That's um, awesome. No, they, they are invested and they're doing a great job. Uh, they're knocking it out of the park. The big class is always sort of fun in a different way. Uh, but yeah, so we're at the midway point. Very cool. Very cool. We are as well. I'm teaching game theory this semester, which is okay. a riot. And I sense your jealousy. I know, but... <laughs> Um, it's coming up soon. That's my Thanksgiving break. My right after Thanksgiving is yeah, when I do game yeah. theory. No, and it's just it's fun when it's the whole term. Um, so you just get into all sorts. So we're about to get to n player games, which are an absolute riot to teach, mm -hmm. and um, just it's a it's a fun class. It's eleven students. <laughs> nobody has to take this specific class. Uh, mm -hmm. You can count it towards a few different things, but nobody had to be in there, and that that's also pretty nice. So I have eleven students and. It's been a lot of fun. So, and if you remember this from earlier episodes, Matt uh, has his game theory students pay money to play in this game. Do yep. you have a who's your running tally? Do you do you, do you keep like oh, a yeah. leaderboard? Yep. Like yeah, we post the yeah. yeah we don't post it online. I just we throw it okay. up on maybe every third class or so on how everybody's doing, and yeah, no, there's there's definite leaders on how people have been doing, and and a fair amount of the leaderboard is is luck. So you play mm -hmm. the prisoner's dilemma. And you choose to defect, right? Two out of the 11 students chose to cooperate. Okay, well, the lucky two students who defected out of those nine who got paired with the cooperator, mm -hmm. you know, they did quite a bit better than everybody else. And so there's a little bit of luck in how it all works out, but you know, there's luck in life too. And So you, you don't have to say the name, right? So we're not going to violate FERPA rules, but how far ahead is the first part like well, you know what's the gap i'm really curious here well i'll tell you i mean honestly at this exact moment in class i don't know uh, the most yeah. i've had people have thrown in 25 the most anybody's ever ended with is like 51 52 wow so uh, okay. and then one student ended and i mean you remember this number one student ended with six 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 
So <laughs> exactly. That was the lowest ever. Usually yeah. it's between 15 to 35, um, okay. 90%. No, and since we talked about gambling last time, no vig on this, you're not getting a cut. <laughs> no, no, that, that, that might be getting me fired. I, well, I went and talked to the provost about it when I was an assistant professor and they, um, you know, I've talked to the dean. The dean said, okay, but let's talk to the provost. The provost said, okay, mm -hmm. however, if a student can't cover, you know, mm -hmm. for legitimate reasons, we need to make sure they, you know, that you can handle it. And yeah. then over the years, I've had one or two students who've really come up and they've said, look, this is, this. you know, I know it sounds dumb, but this 25 is, is tough for me right now. And then mm -hmm. um, we've covered that for them. So, yeah. so yeah, I got permission all the way through. Um all the way through the ranks on that so so it's a lot of fun and i remember in a previous episode you mentioned game theory is your favorite topic mm -hmm. so it's but it's so it's been a lot of fun game theory is not the topic of today for us mm -hmm. though uh, the topic for today we are recording this on monday we're going to be dropping it on thursday and the nobel prize was announced first thing this morning yes so claudia golden won the nobel prize as an economic historian and uh, a lot of seems to be universal praise. Usually people are never trashing the Nobel Prize winner um, mm -hmm. from the econ circles, but a lot of people are pretty excited about it, uh, about this particular announcement. So I, I thought of this and I actually thought a little bit about you because, I mean, she did a lot of work on labor markets and gender yep. and um, marginal revolution has a profile on her on women in economics. And I know you you helped to lead the women in econ group at Penn State when you were there, I believe. So yes, actually, yeah, I, I thought about this. I thought about you actually before we decided to record this even. Um, and then I think on the spot we said we'll record it. But so I, it, um, I don't. What are your What were your thoughts on her winning the Nobel Prize, Dr. Golden winning? Very cool win. Very well. Definitely worth it. Um, so there, there's some things that stood out. So I have been very, so I'm not teaching labor right now, but I have taught labor for like 10 years before um, when David Card won the Nobel Prize. Um, like we were just about to start talking about minimum wage and labor markets. Like it could not have lined up better um, whenever that had happened. So like anytime there's like a, a, a Nobel Prize winner that sort of fits with what you're teaching, it's amazing. So it was really cool because I got to talk to the students that my this actually works out nicely. We talked about this majors only course. So that course is at 8 a.m. Um, this award, I think, is announced U.S. time 5.30, 6 o'clock. that, yeah. Yeah, it's in, yeah, it's in it's, the it's, neighborhood of that. It's early. Um, so I had seen it, like, right before I left to go to work, um, to go into the office. I get to the office around 7. Um, and so I was just pumped. And so, like, the students are coming in, you know, a little drowsy because it's cold and raining. And I'm like, y'all, the Nobel Prize came out to that. So they got to see sort of the... The both sides of it and i was like y'all are econ majors i need to be way more excited about this this is like a big deal for us um so claudia golden uh got her phd at the university of chicago faculty member at harvard what's so a couple things jumped out that i think were really really interesting um that i noticed first one she won by herself which is a huge thing um especially i i was trying to look to make sure uh right beforehand i don't think that that has happened in since 2000 and if i scroll back 2017 Richard Thaler won by himself, um, but it's, it's it's relatively rare um, to win by yourself. So those of you who are listening, the Nobel Prize for Economics, not a real Nobel Prize, we know it, please don't comment and tell us that. Um, it is a, I can't say the name of it, it's the Swedish bank, uh, 
award in honor of Alfred Nobel. So we call it a Nobel Prize. It's a Nobel Prize Bell. Um, but there's a lot of like little rules. Uh, you could only up to three people can win. Uh, so you can't have more than three at a time. Um, you have to be alive. Have, you have to be alive. So there's no posthumous award. Um, and it doesn't have to be split. At, like if three people win, it doesn't have to be split in thirds. Um, I think uh, last year it was one person got half, the other two got a quarter. So they do some kind of goofy type things. Uh, but the idea is it's based on like sort of a, you know, a broad scope of importance. And I think for the recent winners, no one was surprised. I think people were surprised that Claudia Golden won, but that she won now. I think people realized like she was going to win eventually. Um, and I think it's probably more surprising just that it happens to be this year and not like three years from now. Um, the previous ones make sense sort of timing-wise. You think about like bank runs, macro markets. Um, you think about the, the Nobel Prize winners who won for poverty, sort of these big topics that were happening regularly. Um, Claudia Golden largely is sort of an economic historian, um, economic, she's a labor economist and economic historian mixed together, um, but she's not necessarily like an applied labor person like the previous one. So she has sort of a different research agenda than previous ones. Her big emphasis, her big study is on studying women in the labor force and labor market outcomes and what sort of things make women participate in some markets, but not others and stay at home and not others and gender wage gaps. So it's important, but I think if you were to sort of frame it in a societal importance, she's probably a couple of years too late. Um, right? I think when we talked about women in the workforce, I feel like that was a, a big topic what a decade ago, maybe. Um, so I think it's, yeah, I think it's really cool that she won. I hope you could tell in my voice. I was yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That she won. Um, but I, I think, you know, there's lots of really great people. Yeah. Who, and who I mean, won it this year. No, it is. You're right. I mean, in terms of like the 10, like where, where somebody is in their lifespan, it, it seems, uh, I'm not going to say the age here, although you can't <laughs> Wikipedia page, right. I mean, um, it could have been probably could have been a decade ago, right. A very <laughs> reasonably could have been a decade ago. And, you mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of work on what increased uh, women's labor force participation rates. Um, one of the papers that um, give a shout out to Brian Albrecht for uh, being the probably one of the first major <laughs> economists on, on Twitter to be kind of tweeting about this, but starts with the power of the pill um, mm -hmm. and how birth control and it makes it makes total sense in retrospect. Yeah. But I mean, if you think back historically, before that comes about, there's uh, significant more barriers to um, career and significant uh, other factors with marriage decisions. And that was one of the primary papers with Lawrence Katz. Yeah. I can talk a little bit about this. So I actually, so this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flash this back. So maybe when we get to our conversation about pop culture, I'll remind you of how great this book is. Um, Tim Harford's 50 Inventions That Changed uh, the Economy. I you, you caused me to read it. I read that one. It's a great book, right? It's, yep, it's, it's a fantastic very, book. It's fantastic. They talk about the pill. They talk about birth control in there. I actually clip that chapter out and assign it to my large lecture 500 person principles course. Um, we have a section on labor economics. That's their assigned reading for the week. And it is absolutely fascinating. There, are, I mean, I give reading. I, I give a reading or a podcast every week for my students. A lot of them don't do it. I know they don't do it. Um, we're in week eight right now. I have not had a single student ask me or come to my office hours or talk to me or even mention any of the readings we have done 
accept the reading on birth control. Hmm. I had multiple students come up and talk to me about that and about how just absolutely fascinating it was. So maybe, I don't know if it was the topic or if it was Tim Hartford, but I don't know what it was, but it's yeah. a fascinating story. So I can, I can kind of tell big picture sort of how they studied it. You sort of mentioned it and, and I think you're right. It does make sense. Um, but essentially um, birth control comes out in the seventies. And what we mm-hmm. see sort of in the years following that um, is, sorry, birth control comes out publicly available for like, I think six, I think it was early 60s, but I think that was for married couples. There was like oh, this yeah. weird timing. Yeah, you could only get it if you were married, and then it was available to all women um, in the 70s. I'm fairly kind of check, please fact check me on this. Um, but around the 60s or 70s, um, there were you could get it if you were married, and then single women could get it. Um, but essentially, opening it up to everyone basically resulted in women. Uh, increasing their enrollment in law school, medical school, business school, finance, engineering, like basically women take off in all these other um, fields that were predominantly male-driven fields before. And they do some really cool stuff about like different, I think our nerdy econ followers will love this, right? So how did they actually know that that's what caused it? Well, some states allowed it to happen earlier. So you could check which states allowed it to happen earlier versus later, things like that. Uh, But basically enrollment in... Uh, in medical school, law school, professional degrees just took off after that time period and largely is attributed to um, just pretty much open access to contraceptives. Yeah. And so if you think back, if you're considering medical school, I mean, medical school is a massive investment Mm -hmm. of time and energy and you are taking out student loans, right? You're, you're just, you're taking out, um, you're taking out student loans for something that's incredibly difficult. And there'll be this big financial reward if yeah. you make it through. If you, if you finish, and you got to finish. Before the pill, right? The, uh, you know, the odds of getting through um, without getting pregnant were naturally much lower. And right. so, so not even it, just money, right? You need six or seven years of your life. Yeah, it's a perfectly, right? yep. It's a 100% rational. I mean, any economist would say, right? The incentives should mean fewer women were going to med school then and more women would should go now just because of this change. Same would be th- true about law school, right? Three years in law school, it's not the same as the seven years, but it's still a massive investment. And, and it is three years of time. And- so years of time at a time period when women largely were having children at a very high rate, right? Think about when you're 23, 24, 25, sort of that prime young women having children, um, kind of especially in the 60s and 70s. And so I think a lot of it, and that's the the story that we hear now is right, like that's part of why we see um, age of first birth or age of first pregnancy is so much later now. I think I want to say it's around 27 or 28, um, whereas before it was like. 21, 22, 23. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the pill is that we can delay things now um, so that you can focus on education. Yeah, and or, or even if you are in, but even if you are married, right? I mean, the, it would be, mm-hmm. the, or might even be more so for married couples, um, mm-hmm. an option for increasing educational level. So, so that's, um, that's a pretty, you know, once again, a lot of a lot of the top econ papers really make total sense and they're common sense, but it's the person who goes through and shows that it happened and then you 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 see it and you hear it and you're like, wow, how did we not think of this before? Um and to me, actually, that's the best paper is the one yeah. that you're it makes total sense. How did I not think about doing this or testing this? Mm-hmm. Somebody did and they found a very um 
good way. And, you know, that was comparing by the States to... And there's a reason they're Nobel laureates, uh, because they're very good at making really complex things, right? Like Matt and I are talking about this as like, oh, yeah, obviously this is the case, right? But they have to empirically prove step by step, how do you know it's this and not like some other factor that happens at the exact same time, right? But they have the ability and the skill to articulate that, um, mm -hmm. that most economists just, yeah. we can do it now that it's 20 years later, and we can look back and say, yeah, obviously, uh, well, but those are, I, I kind of joke about like the coast theorem, right? Like yeah. it's obvious now, but at the time it wasn't. No. And, and we could say it's obvious, but when the pill first comes out, right, was it obvious this was going to happen to most people? Probably not. Probably not. Um, you know, the, so that's, it was a fantastic, fantastic work of, um, you know, fantastic research by, by Claudia Goldman. The, um, you know, there's a couple other, there's a few other papers that are mentioned either or some other things that are mentioned. Uh, the main two things that I looked at were uh, Brian's tweets and Marginal Revolution. Those were kind of the mm -hmm. two that I'd gone through. I had heard the converse, I believe it was conversations with Tyler that Claudia had had yeah. done before. So I don't know um, if you have another paper that she did that you might want to highlight. No, I mean, a lot of her work is in this sort of women participating in the labor force, sort of what are the causes of changes of what they're, what jobs they're doing, but also sort of what are the impacts in terms of the gender wage gap? So how does participating now in law degrees and medical degrees, how does that change the gender wage gap? Yeah. Um, how does that change things like uh, the size of the family, uh, household production, things like that? So I do want to highlight one thing, right? She's a labor economist, but what's sort of interesting, I don't know if anybody picked up while we were listening to this. She's studying what's happening in the 1960s and 70s and 80s. So she's an economic historian yep. as a labor economist. And like, I don't think we've actually really gotten to talk about what an economic historian does. Matt gets to work with an absolutely amazing economic historian in Susquehanna. Um, but economic history is a very small subset. Uh, I'm going to say small in the sense of there's not that many economists doing economic history. Yeah. Uh, but what they do is they can they get to play with just really incredible data. So Matt, why don't you share a little bit? What does an economic historian do? Since you know, since you get to work with an amazing economic historian, yeah. And at some point, right? If we have a, we should actually have Teresa Finley on. She's uh, at Susquehanna. She's on sabbatical now. Um, she is working. Her work is taking her to southern France, and she's doing archival mm -hmm. research. But like, work could be you're going through archives and you're digging up pricing data on some events that happened, and you're you're exploring uh the kind of the economic situations at the time doesn't make sense um you know how in i mean it's it's kind of digging up i i don't want to I'm, I'm not saying as much on <laughs> Teresa's research because i do think it might be pretty cool to have her on to talk about it it's so fascinating so. yeah um but it's it's looking through i mean this stuff she did was from data that's 200 and almost 250 years mm -hmm. old and explain economic phenomena on um, property rights and enforcements and did uh, individuals in France behave as economics would have predicted. And it's really yeah. fascinating to see see what happened. So um, it's a very cool field. I, I can tell you, I personally, I am an impatient person. I don't know that I would have the, I don't know that that's for me, but yeah. I know for uh, Dr. Finley, she says she loves the idea that she gets to dig in and go check out the archives and dig through the stuff. Like that's, that's a lot of fun. It's really rewarding. And it's probably the fact that she enjoys, that's probably why she's so fantastic <laughs> at, 
you know, at her research. So. Yeah, I love history. So like, I like the idea of doing it. I'm not sure that I'm patient yeah. enough to do it. Uh, so yeah, Claudia Golden, she's an economic historian studying labor markets from decades before. So she's going through um, basically archival data from the BLF uh, to study labor, like, you know, where are people getting degrees and stuff? So it's really easy for us to sort of sit back and go, well, yeah, obviously, like, she's just looking at old data sets that are online. And we take for granted that the data sets are now online, that we can do that. And it's because of people like Claudia Golden that the data sets are now online. Yeah. She published that paper in 2002. So for frame of reference, right? So she's looking at data from the 1960s, 70s, 80s, tracking women participation. That paper is published in 2002, which means she was probably starting to work on it in like the late 90s, early 2000s, because econ's really slow. So yeah. uh, it, it takes a while. Um, I like to, I tell this to my students all the time, to give a frame of like technology around that time. Uh, YouTube was not created in 2002. There was no YouTube. There was no Facebook. Um, she was she was getting these resources like herself, digging through old uh, old printed manuals of uh, Excel, not Excel. She's been spreadsheets at the time, right? So we're we can look at this stuff now thanks to people like Claudia Golden. So it, absolutely, just incredibly deserving uh, of the award. So I was really happy to see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything I've heard, um, everything I'd read, what I'd seen from her before uh completely agree seems like a very deserving candidate and so we uh we decided we'd break our usual thing of recording and then dropping it a month you know or a <laughs> month later that we were going to record this on the monday this will be about as unedited as it gets we're not going <laughs> to even send this over to charlotte uh well i i have asked charlotte if she'll make us the thumbnail because she's really great <laughs> at those but the um and then we'll put this up so thought i was thought it was great to get to you but yeah congratulations i she has no idea who I am, at least. She might know who you are. <laughs> no. But congratulations no, not, to uh, Claudia Golden on the Nobel Prize and hope hope you found this fascinating. Uh any any pop culture, um, any pop culture you wanted to share. You mentioned that you had a book that you thought you might want to yeah, I'm, I'm gonna repitch Tim Harford's book, uh, The 50 Inventions one. That uh, Changed the Economy. So that was um it's not the first time I had heard about the pill study. Uh, the Marginal Revolution University video is very good summarizing that work. Um, but I think Tim Harper does a really good job of summarizing it. So, and, you know, I'm fairly confident that he he's a writer with the, he writes a lot of stuff for the BBC, Financial Times, things yeah. like that. My guess is he has a Financial Times or a BBC article about the birth control pill and Claudia Golden's work. So um, if you're listening and you want to hear these articles, you want to read the stories, we're going to drop them in our sub stack. Uh, so make sure you just log in, Econ Happy Hour and Substack. You'll find it all there. Um, so I'm going to repitch Tim Harford's book only because it is just such a great book and it has this little snippet in there. Um, I definitely think it's worth a read and I'm glad to hear that you also enjoyed it. Yeah, I have a, I don't think I have anything. Um, I don't think I have anything relevant to say, um, you know, to, to this exact topic. The closest that I'll do is a, a clip that I was introduced to a long time ago by Dirk Mateer. And then I have included it in a recent video where I was talking about a, what's called the Bertrand duopoly within mm -hmm. game theory. And there is a clip from I Love Lucy where Lucy, where they're setting up a hamburger stand right next to literally in the same building as somebody else setting up a hamburger stand. And a Bertrand duopoly is a duopoly where they where you the two firms compete again on versus each other strictly on prices. And they end up taking it to the extreme. 
in mm-hmm. this one. So we'll, we we can put the clip in here, uh, but the prices go way lower than they should because they actually get into a little bit of a kind of a battle and a bid a bidding war a bidding war that's and the correct for train terminology right is well i think they were concerned more about i guess quote unquote winning the customer than actually how much money they were going to lose based on winning the customer so i use that clip in my principles of econ class not to talk about bertrand duopolis i use it to talk about the shutdown point uh for a perfectly competitive firm and i go look they're selling identical products like yep. they have information and when it drops between a certain what like so it also works. So those of you who do not teach game theory, if you teach the principles of micro, you can also sort of use it in a in a bunch of different ways well, too. I mean, it makes sense though. It's two identical products that are going. Mm-hmm. I think I w- I don't know that I would have done it for the shutdown rule, but for perfect competition in general, I think it's perfect. Yeah. Right. So but, I do it in the long run, perfect competition, like the sort of the shutdown rule, break even, profit, like that sort of stuff. Like yeah. why? You know, how do we get down there? Yeah, um, so actually, it's... before we go, let let's let's loop back to Claudia. Claudia does have a book. So Dr. Golden has recently released a book. Um, she's released a couple books. Um, one of the books I will, I'm going to say, I will not recommend, not because I think it's a bad book. Mo- I will not recommend it just because it is, uh, it's an academic book. <laughs> um, so one book is called The Race Between Education and Technology. Um, this this book is like, uh, if you're on the YouTube channel, you can see me holding up my my fingers for it. It's thick. It is thick and it is academic. It is written for academics um i would not recommend that to a casual reader um, unless you really like economics um however she did just come out with a new book a couple years ago that is more sort of in the pop culture space uh that summarizes her work so it's career and family women's century-long journey towards equity um and it is very much more of the like summary of her economic history labor economics like her work in that space i haven't gotten a chance to read it it is on my bookshelf of one of the I have a, I'm a, I have a to be read pile that is probably oh, bigger right. than my books that I have read. Mine is, um, but mine is this obnoxious. might kick me into reading. <laughs> Mine's obnoxious. I'll... What's helpful on mine is, um, I mean, my my physical book, it's just getting out of hand. Um, Audio books that are combined with Kindle are a little better. And I see you can do that and even not yeah. for that much more money. So I like that. Um, yeah. There's a Kindle price and then you can add audible narration for not much more. So I may have to do that today and add that. I have not read that book. I remember hearing about, um, I think I heard about it. I think that's part of why she was on the mm-hmm. podcast circuit a year or two ago. So that's I fun. might squeeze this into my book reading list um, since I haven't. I I've, I've, I read too many books at a time. I, I'm not a one book at a time person, mm-hmm. so I can I'm, easily just squeeze another one in there. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to extend this too much longer, but <laughs> your goal normally is 52 books a year. And I'm, I'm not close. I, 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 normally I'm, you've blown past it, but it seems like, yeah. I mean, quite frankly, am I correct in saying like I, I hypothesized? I mean, c- congrats. First, before I say this, congratulations. Like your newsletter is taking off and it's <laughs> yeah. awesome. And I assume everybody listening to this um, knows about uh, Jadrian's Monday Morning Economist. But if not, and those if not are probably the people who subscribe because they knew me. But if you're not familiar, <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, it seems like the success of that is keeping you so busy that it may be taking a little bit more of your time. And hopefully it's not because we're doing this that's taking No, time. no, it's, it's definitely not this. I will say this, that, that is a different thing compared to before. Um, this is going to sound so pretentious when I say it, but like it's more of the sense that I do try to read 52 books a year. I'm still going to try. So like Thanksgiving break, I usually get a, that's usually a big gap. I can knock out a couple winter breaks. I can usually knock out a couple. 
again, this is going to sound so pretentious and I'm so sorry for saying this, but I'm only at 21 books for the year, um, which is still so much. Um, I am about to wrap up a, another couple. So I'm sort of, I read like five or six books at a time in different spots of the house. So like, it's sort of like watching TV at different places and times. So like, like this, the couch book is this book and my bedroom book is this book. Um, so I would say if I, if I kind of add up all the pages, I'm probably around 23, 24-ish. Um, so I'm not even halfway. This could be the year that I don't do it, but I'm, I'm going to try. You're going to try. I don't, I, I don't keep track. I, I, I would guess I'm close to you though for the year. Okay. I might be, a, I might be a couple behind, but I um, download Goodreads. It's the untapped. For I know, I know I, I need to do that or at least <laughs> keep a spreadsheet or something, but, and I've tried yeah. keeping a spreadsheet, but then I don't update it. But anyways, yeah, well, Thank you to everybody for listening. We appreciate it. Please uh, please leave a five-star review and a comment. And remember, we do have uh, we have Economics Happy Hour stickers. We are happy to send some out. We just gave some away to um, so, uh, you know, an individual who was kind enough to leave a five-star review. Uh, Patrick, thank you, Patrick. Um, so we're happy to send some to you if you'd like some stickers. Just uh, do us the favor of leaving the review and we'd be thrilled to send that to you. Absolutely. And I will even send you some Monday morning economist stickers too. I'll, I'll, I'll tag on top of that. Yeah. I mean, I could throw in the Sigmund Y school of business once if you want that. We've got, we got stuff. Just we've got stuff. Like got subscribe, stuff. leave the rating. That's what we need. Yeah. Well, any uh, closing words of wisdom for the audience? No, but I'm, I, oh, you're ahead of me. I have just a, an inch left of my beer, Yeah. Um, but it's still really good. So Tim, thank you again thank you again thank you over and over for the next at least two episodes yep well and to everybody else thank you and jay dream cheers cheers